0: Of the Blood God. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Axe of the Blood God, US Gamer's official RPG podcast. I'm your host, Kat Bailey. With me is my humble co-host, as always, Nadia Oxford. Hello. And as usual, we'll be talking about RPGs, big and small. Western, Eastern, and everything in between, because it's our favorite genre. It's the best. It is the best. And this week, we've got a lot of ground to cover, as always, because, God, every time it seems like I'm like, Oh, man, what am I going to talk about this week? Like, I got like five billion things to cover. So, and that is going to continue to be the case through this very busy holiday season. But Mm -hmm. the first thing that we have to cover... Skyrim Remastered, it's out. Um, We've been playing it. We have some thoughts. And it's also been kind of interesting to revisit Skyrim after five years. I can't believe it is now five years old. That's really terrifying. (laughs) We're all getting old. Shut up. (laughs) I'm not getting old. I'm getting younger. (laughs) I'm young at heart forever.
1: I'm young at heart, that's for sure.
0: And we will also be talking about Exist Archive, the other side of the sky, which is... Well, everybody calls it the spiritual successor to Valkyrie Profile. I don't really buy that. Yeah, Uh, I'm
1: interested to hear about that one.
0: Yeah, I think it's more of an off-brand Valkyrie Profile. (laughs) A little different. (laughs) A little different. Uh, Dollar store brand. But that does not necessarily mean that I dislike it. So Mm -hmm. let's get started. Nadia, we've both been playing Skyrim Remastered. Um, I had thoughts on the game itself. Um, In an article that I wrote titled Skyrim Remastered Bethesda's Impossible Task, which was kind of a like they want what it boiled down to is that with Skyrim, Bethesda wanted to create a massive, open, really interesting world that also lives up to what people expect from a AAA presentation. Mm hmm. And there are only a finite number of resources that you yeah. can put into development, <laughs> yes. and people's expectations are always a little loony. Uh huh. But at and you know at the at the end of the day, they've crafted this incredibly compelling world to explore. In my opinion, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people are like kind of put off by it. Like they're like, I don't understand the appeal. But I personally find it really interesting. But. When you can see the seams in this world that's supposed to be like completely immersive, I feel like people are a lot harder on these games than they are with other games. Yes. Like they're more inclined to be like, nope, doesn't work, breaks immersion, (laughs) like just throw it all away. It's a bad game. (laughs) What are your thoughts, Nadia?
1: Uh, well, I think the five years uh, have worked against it as far as people's opinion go, because I've seen so many people say, why do you want to play Skyrim when you have, like, Witcher 3 or, like, any other open-world game that has come out since Skyrim? Okay,
0: all right. Let's... Okay, first of all, Witcher 3 and Skyrim are apples and oranges. Yeah, They're I know, but people totally are... they totally different is, games. And uh, people I, are I'm, like, Witcher 3 is better than Skyrim. No, I, I don't really <laughs> think it is. I think Skyrim is... Uh, an amazing game if you're into that particular type of RPG. No,
1: like, I, I totally agree. And because I'm just I'm just translating the, the will of Twitter here, the, the Twitter-verse, as it were.
0: You're wrong, Twitter.
1: <laughs> I, I, I have not played Witcher 3 yet, so I cannot say one way or the other, but uh, the point what? is...
0: Sorry, you really that? like Witcher 3.
1: I know, it's one of those on-my-list games.
0: It's more homework
1: for you. More homework. More homework. Yep. Right. But um Skyrim um it, it's like your article said it has a very inherent uh like something about it is just makes it hard to turn away from and uh I think just the fact that and this is true as much, this is as true as it is now as it was 5 years ago the fact that you can just wander off the path like so far off the path like marauding dragons oh who cares uh there's this guy who wants me to go like you know find cheese at a tavern or something like that i don't know it, it's just so it's just the least hand-holdy game i can think of and sometimes i am just in the mood for that and nothing mm. will change that
0: yeah uh somebody wrote a comment in the article and i, I just want to read it for you really quickly because i i think it, does a really terrific job of encapsulating like why exactly I just keep getting hooked on these games. Mm-hmm. It's by Mojo Box and he said, I can respect when people are left cold by the storytelling in Elder Scrolls games. I love the more fleshed out stories of Witcher 3 or Bioware. But for me, a big part of my enjoyment of The Elder Scrolls is how incredibly rarely it will contradict any internally developed narrative you have for your character. Mm-hmm. Yes, the storytelling is slight, but it's slight with intention and purpose, not out of sheer laziness and incompetence. The Witcher 3 is a fantastic game, but it's Geralt's story, not mine. I'm just along for the ride. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure, I get to make some choices, but my options are always framed within the limits of what Geralt would potentially do. The success of the Elder Scrolls games is that if I say, I want to be a cow- cowardly imperial merchant who doesn't fight anything, I want to roam from town to town buying low and selling high, paying merchants to do my work for me, that whole dragon thing, toss it, the game just shrugs <laughs> and says, "Uh, oh, fine. Yeah, I know absolutely. how people... I know some people just won't get it or like that, but that's why The Elder Scrolls and Skyrim, especially, feels like a living world more than just more than most open worlds. Mm-hmm. I get extremely invested in my characters because they are my creations, and the and extent the game goes to, in order to not contradict that creation, is impressive in its own right.
1: Yeah, that's an excellent comment, and and it holds very true. Uh, as you say, Witcher Three, even though I haven't played it, I know that it follows uh, Geralt, and whereas. You know Skyrim, you are a nameless prisoner and you just, however you build yourself up from there, that is completely up to you.
0: Yeah, somebody was saying that they wanted to be a master of blacksmith and that was like their entire goal for the game. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, right on. That's actually kind of cool. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I wanted, me personally, I wanted to engage my fanfic and get married to my werewolf girlfriend and buy the most expensive house in Skyrim. That's like my personal goal. <laughs>
1: are you to marry Elia the Huntress?
0: Oh, of course. Are you kidding me? I like Farkas. You like Farkas? I like Farkas. Farkas. (laughs) (sighs) And, you know, like Skyrim is just so beautiful um, that I just really enjoy just wandering through it. I really do. It it feels like a much more interactive world. I think the main difference between uh, a world like Skyrim And a world like, say, Grand Theft Auto um, is that one is a kind of a playground and the other is meant to be this world that you're actually living in.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: I uh, personally never get tired of climbing the 7000 steps for for the first time, Mm -hmm. Uh, even though I'm usually stopped cold, mauled by a frost troll somewhere up there. But uh, it's a very just like going up there and like, you know, gradually night falls and you see the northern lights and it's just really, really nice.
0: Yeah, it's really striking the first time that you go up uh, to the top of the throat of the world, mm-hmm. uh, you're making that pilgrimage. It's like, it's really cinematic and really awesome. And the first time you see a dragon is also pretty phenomenal. Yeah. But I mean, if you really want to just kind of chill and not do a lot or kind of build up your character at your own rate... uh I think that can be a really rewarding role-playing experience, which is why, and and to me, like, that's almost kind of the ultimate role-playing experience, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, It it harkens back, as I was kind of writing my article, like, it harkens back to classic Dungeons & Dragons. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. um, Where you're not, like, I mean, yeah, like, in a lot of classic D&D, like, the DM will be like, oh, uh... Okay, the DM will set the story for you, and Mm -hmm. you are following that particular quest, but like any good DM will be able to just kind of roll with whatever the characters do, and be able (laughs) to spin the story off from there, right? Right.
1: And that's pretty much what Skyrim does. Mm -hmm. And uh, one thing I was actually going to bring up in my review, which should be going up probably by the time that this podcast is posted, this is an important uh, game for people who played Skyrim originally on consoles, like myself. Because this is really our first chance to muck around with mods and really kind of play the game for how people on PC have been playing it for years with the assistance of mods. So that's really exciting. Uh, less exciting if you're playing on the PlayStation 4. But the Xbox One has a very robust modding community already, and uh, I've toyed around with a bit myself.
0: Yeah, Xbox One is kind of the only choice. Yes. <laughs> and There's it's really PlayStation it, 4 version doesn't have mods and it has compressed audio.
1: It has a, it does have mods, but it's very selective okay, right. in in what like I last time I checked like Xbox had over 200 mods and PlayStation 4 had something like 50. So, clear winner. Yeah.
0: Fallout 4 players on PS4 really got screwed. Yeah. Which is too bad because I'm, I am one of them. <laughs> oh, I'm I so sorry. severely regret uh putting like god like 150 hours into that game because it's like oh great i can't even mod it that really sucks it doubly sucks for the settlements in fallout 4 it was yeah uh so much of the stuff that bethesda put in there was just not good enough Mm -hmm. i i really needed the mods to really flesh out stuff like the weapons racks like the weapons racks they put in there were really not good enough unfortunately so alas but Oh, yeah. So yeah, no, this is really important for you. Because when Skyrim came out five years ago, it came out on the 360 and the PS3.
1: Yes, and I played it on 360.
0: Yeah. And so what has it been like kind of like having this remastered experience? Like, do the graphics like really pop for you?
1: Uh, well, the graphics, honestly, like, they do look a lot better than they did on the 360, obviously, but, um, they're not blowing my mind the way, like, most games this generation do, but that's okay, uh, because I appreciate the fact it's such a big, sprawling world, and I really appreciate that I can climb up the top of a mountain and just watch everything, like, roll out underneath me, um, and I do appreciate fewer bugs, I won't say no bugs, because... (laughs) I I saw a, a mammoth rise and fall off the horizon like it's on a trampoline. So yes, <laughs> but there are definitely fewer bugs, and um, I, I haven't gone crazy with mods. But I've installed a couple that really just make me like thank the Lord that they exist. Like rich merchants of Skyrim, which uh, mean which guarantees that every merchant has a, a huge store of gold, so that you don't have to wait when you're selling a bunch of junk.
0: Oh my God, that actually sounds like a great mod because if there was. One thing that always drove me freaking crazy in Fallout 4 mm-hmm. is I had a water, I had a really extensive water farm uh, going, uh, but I had to go around to different merchants and yes. sell my water stock because they, there were never, the merchants never had enough money to be able to pay me. Yeah,
1: <laughs> basically. the same with Skyrim. They're never, they never have enough to pay. Like if you, if you, like if I have like a store of dragon bones I want to sell, you know, forget it because, um, you don't have the money to buy them and unfortunately in skyrim a lot of the merchants are very specialized so uh the dude i see for my archery supplies he doesn't want to buy these dragon bones but the general store guy is broke so uh mod time
0: so what race did you pick uh like what class and race did you end up picking
1: oh i uh i actually kind of did a rehash of my uh my original character and, and build, which I am kind of disappointed in myself for, but at the same time, not. Uh, I am an Argonian, and I am kind of like a thief archer.
0: Okay, okay, and, yeah, uh, I, yeah. Sorry.
1: Oh, I just really dig sniping from a distance.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the way to go in in Skyrim, right? Is just like sniping everything with a bow. Yes, because if you get up too close, like you are kind of get kind of kind of wrecked. So, I mean, I I created a character that was like one-handed sword user with um, left-handed, like, magic. Mm -hmm. And that ended up working pretty well for me. Mm -hmm. But I but I spent most of my... But I ended up becoming a very stealth-oriented character. Yes. And doing, like, six times damage with, like, shooting with my bow, (laughs) like, from a long, long distance. And in, in some ways, like, I feel like that's just the inevitable direction unless you go like super heavy warrior or super with like the two-handed weapons or the the sword and the shield and then like the heavy armor Mm -hmm. or like just pure magic user
1: yeah and i was never interested i've never been a very much i've never been a heavy magic user in any of my rpgs ever
0: me neither i just Um,
1: don't trust it for some reason (laughs) i sound like one of those like old-fashioned people in Dragonlance, like novel. Oh, I don't trust magic. I don't trust the gods, but I just don't.
0: I I think for me, it's more that I've just always found mages a little boring.
1: That too. I'm sorry.
0: I mean, it's Funny. like, I don't, I don't want to wear the robes. The robes are like, eh. And uh, usually the, the mages never seem to have, like, interesting equipment or weapons or anything that I can, like, use as fashion accessories. Mm-hmm. So yeah, fine. And then but, I mean, the pyrotechnics are always really awesome.
1: Yeah, those are always nice. Uh, sometimes they're just fireworks and razzle-dazzle, but uh, they look nice.
0: That and mages are you, often kind of overpowered, unless you're playing Dark Souls, interestingly <laughs> enough. Uh, they can be really hit and miss in that game. <laughs> it's kind of the opposite there. But I So, all right, so you did that. Um, what was it like going back to Skyrim for the first time in five years? Like, starting over?
1: It was very nostalgic, except, uh, of course, I start up on the, uh, you know, I, st- I wake up on the wagon and I'm like, oh god, there's no, su- where's the subtitle? So I had to pause it and <laughs> turn the subtitles on because I couldn't hear a damn thing. But uh I, d- I always like that intro. I like the way it delivers the game's story without, like, being, without really burdening you down with stuff. Like, you're on this wagon, you're going to be executed. uh You've got the leader of the rebellion sitting beside you for some crazy reason. What's going on? So, I, I just, um it kind of really gets me in the mood as it were like from the first minute. And of course a dragon comes in and attacks everything. And it's like, what the hell is going on? These things aren't supposed to exist, but this one certainly does. So um, it it was nice. It was kind of like coming home in a way.
0: The first two hours of uh, Skyrim, like never fails to get me in the mood Mm -hmm. because I mean, just the moment that you're on the wagon and then the dragon shows up and it's like wrecking everything. And then when you make your way to Riverwood, and everything kind of quiets down for yes, a minute, and you're just nice. taking in all the scenery. Yes, and you you're just walking at this point because you can't really fast travel. Yeah, uh, and then you make your way over to uh, I think it's White Run. Yeah, um, and you meet with the 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 ruler there, and then a dragon comes down and attacks, and you have this like just really awesome battle. Like, yes, uh, I I think that bar none, like those dragon battles are some of the most cinematic and cool just fights that you will have in a video game Like the way what they've done with the the animation on those things like mm-hmm. when they land on the ground they look absolutely gigantic and they're breathing fire at you uh you, you there's just not a lot better like they they make for really fantastic enemies uh in a way that you just don't see in a lot of other bethesda rpgs like certainly not uh, Fallout 4, like, there, there's nothing like that in, like, say, yeah, Fallout there's, 4. Yeah, there's
1: no equivalent except maybe you got Death Claws, but they're not really even the same. Um,
0: oh, it, no. I mean, Death Claws are awesome and terrifying, but nowhere on the level of a dragon. Well, a dragon,
1: um, dragons are so fascinating, too, because you could be just minding your own business, walking, do, going wherever, and then, like, you kind of look off on the horizon, you see a dragon. It's kind of spinning around and roaring, and you're like, do I want a piece of that, or do I want to avoid that? And you can try to avoid it, but you're not, you're not guaranteed to, to get away safely because uh, they have some pretty good eyesight, I guess.
0: It's funny when you're like walking through the plains and then you see a dragon show up and start attacking um, like a bandit camp. Yes. And you just like sit down and watch as like, the <laughs> bandits are frantically shooting <laughs> arrows at it while it like spins around in the sky, uh, breathing fire on them. I saw, um,
1: I saw a dragon go up against a couple of giants and that was really cool.
0: Oh, yeah, I love that, yeah. too. That's, like, pretty amazing. I-, I always feel bad for the giants because, I mean, if you kind of leave them alone, they'll kind of leave you alone. Unless, but holy crap, if you mess with them, they will, like, like punch you on, like, to <laughs> the other side of a mountain. Literally send you
1: flying. I don't know if that bug still exists because I haven't tried for myself, but there are... it used to be that they'd hit you with your club and you'd go flying up into the air.
0: Hmm. So I uh, I started playing Skyrim Remastered on my PC and because I... I played the original Skyrim on my PC, heavily modded. Uh, there were some reports going around that Skyrim was uh, that sky modded saves from the original Skyrim would not work in remastered. Oh, that was not the case for me. Oh, I it works just fine. Um, I loaded up and my character like loaded up Sans armor and hair. Um, <laughs> On the side of a mountain. I, I think she was having the worst walk of shame of her life. And so I was like, okay. Um, and I was completely disoriented. And, like, trying to remember, like, what all of the commands were. And, uh-huh. like, going through my inventory and trying to remember, like, what was good and what was not good. Why do I have uh, 900 cheese wheels? I think a lot of my, my equipment was from mods because... <laughs> Like, for example, I knew that I had a bow, but I definitely did not have a bow. Mm -hmm. And then so I was like, okay. so I I, I equipped some like decent armor and like weapons and everything and became like, you know, a ninja, (laughs) like (laughs) was wearing sweet elven superior armor with like a ninja cowl. And I had um, a katana, a flaming katana, which I know that I, I remembered crafting that thing. Um, and my fire of all spells. So I was like, all right, I'm on, I'm on. Ready to go. And then I was trying to remember where I had stored all my gear. Oh. And in my original run, I remembered that I had done the College of Winterhold mm-hmm. uh, quest relatively early on and become essentially Dumbledore. <laughs> I kind of wish that it had followed up a little bit and let me actually make decisions at the college or like had an additional quest line. Which would have been really awesome, because yeah. then I could have actually been Dumbledore. But, you know, maybe there are limits to this, right? Yes. Like, one thing that always drives me crazy about the criticisms people seem to have for video games is that they're, like, mad that it is not all things always. Yeah. They're like, this game does not conform to my personal, like, uh, ambitions for it. Therefore, it stinks. <laughs> And they don't seem to really understand the limits of actual game design or Yeah, like, especially
2: a,
1: a game the size of Skyrim, which uh, even though it's as buggy as hell, it still astounds me how much there is and how many characters there are and how many quests there are and, and how endless it is. Like, you mm. mentioned um, going to Whiterun. I didn't even go to Whiterun, like, at first. Uh, I just, uh, once I was, once I left uh, uh, Riverwood, I just went to, like, the, I went to the do the Golden Claw quest. I did this, I did that, and I did a whole bunch of stuff before I finally hmm. meandered into Whiterun and said, hey, Jarl, what's up?
0: Yeah, with well, Skyrim, I just kind of... Disapp- I, I got about halfway through the main storyline, uh, mm-hmm. but really, I just kind of dis- disappeared down the rabbit hole. Yeah, me too. I, I went dis- I defeated the rebels because screw the rebels, they're racist. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm, an, I'm an imperial sympathizer, Nord. Um, And I you know i was doing the werewolf stuff and like i was intending to do Dawn guard and i was just trying to save up enough money to make uh to buy be able to buy my like palace and i was going through my journal after i reloaded up my game and i'm like going what is a lot of these quests yeah. <laughs> like like this there was this one quest it was like this like one chaos demon wants you to do a thing and i'm like what <laughs> do i want to actually do this i don't know this seems kind of like unnerving i don't think i want to do this
1: (laughs) that doesn't seem like a good idea
0: like i'm trying to remember the context for so many of these quests in my journal and just so i was just like yeah i I think this kind of kind of resembles like the werewolf quest so i started going with that and sure enough it was so that that was working out okay uh, it's, it's been kind of weird to go back to Skyrim after playing Fallout 4 because the VAT system isn't in there.
1: Yes, that's true.
0: So. I, I can
1: never get used to the VAT system, so I'm okay with that.
0: I, I'm not sure which one I prefer, to be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. I don't think the gunplay in Fallout has ever been especially good. hmm And what a, a lot of what Fallout boils down to is crouching in a corner with a sniper rifle and headshotting <laughs> people with the VAT system. Right. Unless you want to go, like, really crazy and, like, just make yourself, like, a crazy person with a knife who goes around, like, stabbing people. And you can. Which you totally can. Um, I I, I always found people... I always found it funny that people were like, well... (laughs) There's no storyline in there for people who want to just, like, wear a bag on their head and run around naked with a knife. And I'm like, I don't think there is a story. (laughs) I think the story is you go around stabbing people until somebody stabs you. That's the story. It's pretty
1: self-explanatory, guys.
0: It's sort of like people who are like... And forgive me, I'm, like, digressing heavily here. But it's the people who are like, well, what if I don't want to choose any side? What if I... What if I just want to be a neutral? I'm like, well, then the story doesn't progress. Like, mm-hmm. you're just a neutral. You don't choose anybody. Yeah. <laughs> you go on and you let allow the conflict to happen, like, elsewhere, and you're, like, a blacksmith or something. Yeah, exactly. Though though they do have a point, and I, I allude to this in my article, that it is pretty annoying that they make you side with either the rebels or the empire and if you don't like either side it's kind of like eh. it's
1: it's very much a gray choice because as you say like the nords okay i can i can sympathize with their cause but they're uh basically like eskimo nazis or whatever you want to call them
2: mm-hmm.
0: and um eskimo nazis you <laughs> mean like scandinavian nazis like viking yeah nazis? viking nazis
1: <laughs> sorry is said eskimo nazis <laughs>
0: death to everybody but us essentially yeah
1: and the imperialists well they're colonialist, and like you know mm-hmm. there is no good guy and well maybe there shouldn't that's be,
0: fine i mean yeah moral gray areas are fine
1: yeah so yeah i i, I totally understand why you'd be mad there wouldn't be like a-, a clear-cut good choice or even just a good neutral choice but uh well, you can always just uh, go explore the fifty millionth dungeon if you want, and s- yep. steal gold from zombies.
0: The thing is, is that like in Fallout Four, um, the Far Harbor DLC does a really terrific job of letting you kind of take on a number of different possibilities. Uh, you can side with any one of the three factions to the exclusion of the others, mm-hmm. and just roll that way. But you can also like. Yeah, you can kind of help one side or you can help one side kind of achieve its objectives while like completely screwing over another. Or you can be like, uh, let's just make peace with all of these guys. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think a lot of people want to make peace. Yes. Which is nice. And that's not always possible, but I, I think that people want that kind of more nuanced storytelling. And they always point to, they always point to uh, say fallout, uh, new vegas as like kind of a sterling example of that which Mm -hmm. i always thought was funny because at the end of the day you're siding with one of the three factions and it always ends with the battle at the hoover dam like it's not like you're peacemaking here yeah so like somebody's gonna die regardless there is going to be a final battle there's
1: going to be bloodshed yes it's a video
0: game but i so so yeah um it, it was a little awkward in, in some regards. I, I think the combat is always going to be a little bit of a weakness in Skyrim. Mm-hmm. But at this and, and Elder Scrolls in general, like if people want frickin Dark Souls combat, like go play Dark Souls. Yeah, like, that's, what, it's that's what it's built around, right? Yeah. That's what Dark Souls is built around. Skyrim is Skyrim. Skyrim is it, just enjoying the pretty scenery, like effing off and doing your own thing, getting a werewolf girlfriend, whatever, <laughs> you know, like... I I I really appreciate the Elder Scrolls games, just because, and Elder Scrolls in particular, because I like how pretty it is. Mm-hmm. Versus Fallout, where I don't really like being in the midst of like. So I I have a real phobia for clutter. I hate clutter.
1: <laughs> Do you really?
0: Yes, I don't like clutter and. And Fallout is the most cluttered freaking game you will ever play. There's just, like, garbage everywhere. Well,
1: yeah, because of the nuclear war, everything's just Well, yeah.
0: I don't like that.
1: (laughs) So you could play as, like, a wanderer cleaning up as you go along. The great wanderer. Yes.
0: Oh, my God. The great garbage collector? Yeah. (laughs) But Skyrim, it's like, okay, everything is much prettier. The houses are much nicer. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get a house that doesn't have a roof which is something that drove me crazy in Fallout 4.
1: Wow, don't play Dragon Quest Builders.
0: Uh, But the other thing is, like, I play these open world games and they don't mean anything to me. Like, I feel like there's an automatic remove all Mm -hmm. the time. Like, I'll play Watch Dogs, I'll play GTA, I'll play even, uh, I'll, I'll even play a game like Witcher 3. And because I'm playing another character and it's usually from a third person perspective and the world isn't that interactive, like, it, it, it feels like a video game right like, it's just like okay i'm playing through this video game i'm like meandering through the quests um and if i don't want to do the quests, like it doesn't necessarily feel like there's a lot else to do people are like well you can like drive a car off a ramp <laughs> oh that's nice you do that cool. in Skyrim with the proper mods too <laughs> you can drive real fast in in gta 5 and cops will sometimes chase you and you can shoot at them and you can it's like all right fine like there's stuff to do in that regard, I suppose. Um, but because I've created my own character and I'm kind of, like, creating my own, like, self-narrative, mm-hmm. I I feel like like I just automatically have a lot more fun with the Elder Scrolls games, even acknowledging the fact that, no, I don't think the combat is that great. And, yes, the story, it, it kind of bugs me that it railroads me a little too much in the story. And some of the quests, no, they're not that interesting, especially the Radiant quests. Um, But the world that Bethesda has built, there's just not a lot like it, like, at all.
1: And um, I wrote an article about that uh, a little while ago, uh, about how, you know, I was just kind of meandering through the world like I do, and I noticed there was a shack that had a, you know, a tree collapsed on it, and I kind of put two and two together, like, oh, this poor guy, he was just basically died in his shack because... the stupid tree fell on him, and I kind of go through his stuff, and I see he has that Argonian-made, like, erotica. <laughs> it's like, oh, scandalous. <laughs> I know something about your life now, don't I?
0: Yeah, it's so, just like in Fallout, finding all the weird stuff in toilets.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and, and you're right, because only Bethesda really takes the time to kind of build their world like that, with their open worlds like that.
0: Uh, I, I think that I think the something that's important to point out is that I'm not saying that GTA or Red Dead or Watch Dogs or Witcher 3 are bad. No, absolutely not. Uh, I think that within their particular stylistic choices, they're incredibly successful. It's just a matter of preference, right? I know a mm-hmm. lot of people for whom, like, the Elder Scrolls and Fallout just leave them completely cold because they are really bothered by the fact that because Bethesda has put all of their resources into building this giant world... Uh, that there are automatically going to be um, some trade-offs, right? Like Absolutely. The the combat's not going to be as good. Uh, the, the character is going to animate kind of awkwardly. Sometimes the radiant moments are going to be look kind of silly and be immersion-breaking. Mm-hmm. And they go, well, I can't deal with this. That's fine. Yeah, like, absolutely. I mean, we're not at a point where, like, a, a relatively unscripted game can also look completely natural. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're not operating on true AI here. Yeah, we'll get there maybe someday. someday. Yeah. But for now, I think it's kind of good enough, right?
1: Yeah, I can't say I haven't been enjoying Skyrim Remastered, so um, I'm good.
0: Yeah, but as for PC owners... Um, I think the main thing with Skyrim Remastered is that the main benefit eventually down the line is that uh, modders are going to have more possibilities because there's going to be more memory due to it being 64-bit. Yes. Beyond that, though, like right now the mods mostly don't work for Skyrim Remastered, (laughs) which is uh, kind of a disappointment, and the graphical enhancements aren't enough if you've been playing modded Skyrim. Yeah,
1: exactly. Um, Like I said, it's really more for console owners, and to me that's fine, but... uh... Yeah, S- sorry, PC owners.
0: I-, I like that we're finally at a point where the console versions of Bethesda's RPGs are almost catching up with the PC versions. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I mean, there was for a long time, like if you were like really heavily into the series, like getting a console version of Fallout was just, or Sky or Elder Scrolls was just not a super great investment because I mean they couldn't be updated exactly. And, Good God, Skyrim on the PS3 in particular has aged oh, horribly. Yeah, bad times.
1: Very bad you times. You know, one of
0: the other like criticisms that are off, that is often levied at Skyrim is that it is too accessible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that it is too like that it got rid of a lot of the the more hardcore elements, and people always kind of long for Morrowind as the as the kind of the the height of the series Mm -hmm. because it was smaller it was more handcrafted um it was denser i suppose like let's be honest skyrim is pretty easy
1: it is uh, especially if you turn down the difficulty
0: yeah like by you know by hour 10 you're almost unstoppable once you
1: once your sneak uh stat is is up there you, you can pretty much destroy anything
0: yeah and You, you, your builds like you, you can kind of be everything. You can be kind of a jack of all trades. Yes. Um, in the way that you, you distribute your points, and I can understand that that rubs a long way. But the reason I bring this up is because uh, you wrote this interesting article um a couple days ago that was titled "Quit Getting Mad at Easy Mode in Video Games." Yeah, with apologies to K.C. Green. And I, I think that this actually ties in rather nicely with rpgs because uh, rpgs are one of the more hardcore genres Mm -hmm. and people and there seems to be a lot of debate over like accessibility and kind of like how dense an rpg actually should be right uh so the original what was the original impetus for your article um
1: it's just something that's been coming up now and again, and um, it, it was al- it was also brought up with uh, near uh, Automata, which uh, apparently is going to be right. ha- which is apparently going to have like an automatic uh, mode for people who aren't good at action games, quote unquote. So mm-hmm. I guess that kind of gets you through the battles uh, trouble free. So they can
0: see the story, right?
1: Yeah, basically, th- we are getting more and more games these days where um, battle options are you know, toned way down or even just a little bit to give people who want to just experience the story. Like, you know, how many games have you played lately where the casual mode is specifically marked, you know, for people who just, you know, kind of want to relax and enjoy the game's story. I think uh, um, I just played uh, SteamWorld Heist and that had an option. So, yeah, so I'm okay with it. Some people are definitely not okay with it. And I think it's such a divisive topic and it doesn't really need to be because, you're talking about an option that 99.9% of the time is completely optional. Hence, yeah, it's
0: not like you're being railroaded into it. No, I'd hence be a little option. more upset if it made me do that.
1: Yeah, and but even with a game like Skyrim, uh, you have people who are upset because it is far more streamlined than like Morrowind and um, the like. You, you basically games evolve, games change, and some people are really not into that sort of thing. But th- the question is where do you stop where do you start you know what i mean like my i will fully admit that my first elder scrolls game was skyrim and i appreciate that it was so accessible and it, it let me dive into it with with a minimal amount of trouble but some people will get really angry at hearing me say that
0: i don't think that bethesdas immune from like putting so much focus on being mass market that they've started to compromise the systems mm-hmm. i i do think that there is a way to kind of square that circle and uh, cater to both hardcore fans and also pretty casual fans. Um, I-, I think Pokemon is just a perfect example of how you make an RPG that where they have a rabbit hole that goes as deep as you really want it to go. Absolutely, right? yes. Why is Pokemon so enduringly popular? Well, first of all, it has incredibly marketable creatures.
1: It does, they're really cuddly.
0: But like Skyrim, interestingly enough, you can write your own story in Pokemon. Once the game is finished, uh, and the story, you know, the story's easy. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's always going to be easy. But once the game is finished, it, you can go in so many different directions with it. It's like, okay, well, I want to catch them all. All right, go do that. Yes. Oh, I want to... I want to go find valuable shinies and be a collector. Mm I'll go do that. Oh, I I want to be. I want to be the best breeder. I want to be the best competitive battler. I just want to go and do all of the post game content and have fun. Cool. Yes. But there's so much to do at any given time, and if you want to be like an uber hardcore competitive battler who's Mm. going to be taking place in the the VGCS and stuff like that, that is there for you. Absolutely. And it makes me happy when that is there but I don't think that that means that it has to come at the expense of making it accessible
1: No, and I have, of course, heard people complain about how Pokemon has become too accessible, too streamlined, and... Are you kidding me? Yeah, and it's like, yeah, you know what I don't want to do? I don't want to rifle through all my PC boxes looking for my Pikachu that I gave a stupid name, and now I can't
0: find it. Speaking as somebody who has been playing Pokemon (laughs) since the very beginning, anybody who's not happy that you can finally see freaking EVs and, like, (laughs) have all of these breeding tools are freaking crazy, okay? (laughs) I don't have 20 hours to breed the perfect Pokemon, okay? No. Like, sometimes I just want to get the monster that I want because it's not about going through the busy work of breeding a monster. It's about the experimentation and the creativity of the build of the monster and the moveset and being able to be like, oh, I I think that if I modify the evs a little bit this direction or that direction i i could have i could do something really interesting here and i'll be able to hit this speed tier whatever Yay. right and you take that away when you make it when you raise the barrier too much to actually being able to breed these monsters so quality of life stuff is not streamlining yeah okay. and I,
1: I think you hit on the nail on the head when you said i do not have 20 hours to, to dick around with this uh video games when we were kids Usually it was, you know, younger people playing them. Kids who had, like, plenty of free time, all these summers to, to squander away on, on Mega Man. That's great. But games are at a much more mainstream audience now. Adults enjoy them. Kids enjoy them. And most, you know, all of us, every single one of us have far less time than we used to. So we just, I just don't have time to, like, spend 20 hours on, on a game. And some people, you know, going, going by the reaction to my article, to some people that's blasphemy. But it's true i think i mean games are-
0: there are people who are young who do have a lot of time for that and i don't think it's a matter of having time or not having time like at the end uh, yes i don't have time anymore unfortunately to throw myself into battlefield and which means i'm i can't compete with you crazy kids anymore yeah. um <laughs> but that's that's me like if if i wanted to i could Throw, devote my life to battlefield and probably be pretty good but th- that that's a choice that I have made exactly uh but I do think that there's like this almost this competition going on especially with harp- with RPG fans who are like oh well I play this really really dense and incredibly difficult to get into RPG and if you're just not able to understand the systems at play because the UI is garbage well, That's on you because you're not very smart. (laughs) Like having a good UI and having good quality of life stuff is not a drawback. No, it really isn't. It's having good onboarding and good tutorials is not a drawback. No. And this is like kind of getting away from the original point of your article, which is like including stuff for more casual fans. Mm -hmm. But I do see that a lot where people are like going, well... Yeah, it, it's really dense, but you know, like, I have unearthed the secrets, wonderful gem of this RPG that you just can't see, so... Yeah. Yeah. Sorry.
1: And uh, one thing people were telling me, uh, or when people were, one thing people were assuming is that I was calling, like, to make a, a casual mode mandatory in every single game, which is not the case at all. I understand that, especially indie developers, they don't have, they might not have the time uh, or the money necessary to kind of go through their game and offer a, a casual mode. I'm just saying that I am glad when they are there because um, I like the idea of games being more accessible. Period. Uh, let's face it; it's not just a it's not just a matter of I don't have enough time. It's also a matter of some people don't have the mobility necessary to really pull off that sweet ollie or whatever they're doing. You know what I mean?
0: Hmm. At the same time, though, I, I think that. I do think that it is a stylistic choice of for a game like Dark Souls. Yeah, I absolutely to wouldn't be say the hey. way that it is, and I, I I do think that Dark Souls exists as a kind of a counter argument in a lot of respects to the well, games should be as open as possible mm-hmm. uh, kind of argument where where it's kind of like this elite thing, and and that's where you start to break down into like, okay, should games be this kind of experience or should they be like a raw challenge? Like, where are we going with this? But I think that, I think that's a choice that From Software has made. Right. And I, am- and I think that's a valid choice. And I also think it is a valid choice to make a game that is more casual and more, uh, that like is more open and more accessible to people who are coming in Um like, it's a choice, okay? Like, there are different, there are many different types of games. They don't all have to cater to one subset of gamer.
1: No, I agree. Um, I know Jim Sterling has said he wouldn't mind seeing, like, an easy mode in uh, Dark Souls. <laughs> but, uh, mm. you know, I, I, I can understand why people w- would not want that. Because Dark Souls itself is a game specifically built on challenging people. And I like games like that, too. I liked um, Salt and Sanctuary, which was a hard game. I liked uh, Hyper Light Drifter, which was a very difficult game. Uh, I was very satisfied with them. I, I found them like a good challenge. But um you know, you know it, it's just uh certain, people saying, Oh well, if you can't handle Mega Man, then why don't you go play Scribble Knots? Because those are two very, very, very different experiences.
0: Yeah, and- I think the I think people were happy when Demon Souls and Dark Souls came along because there was a big shift toward games that almost played themselves uh Mm -hmm. these triple a games um particularly first person shooters and i mean the argument would be well okay well if you find the campaign that basically plays itself kind of boring well just go play multiplayer yeah people be like well maybe i don't want to play multiplayer in which case like then dark souls came along and it satisfied that kind of itch for a really intense Single-player experience, right, and and the, the, that is fine.
1: And these are also games that are not cheap. They are they give you the necessary tells. Um, if you die, mm-hmm. it is usually one hundred percent on you. Whereas a Mega Man game, for example, Mega Man One, uh, it, it has some some pretty cheap moments. So mm-hmm. there's definitely a difference between cheap and a difference between actual challenge.
0: I I think that one thing that people have to understand is that just because a game there are accessible games out there doesn't mean that there aren't hardcore games mm-hmm. if you want your dark souls go play dark souls absolutely if if you want your uh if you want your like intense super hard roguelike go play your super intense hard roguelike but there has to be a starting point right Yes. there has to be a way to get on board with games like not everybody is born being able to speed run through Super Mario Brothers or whatever.
1: No, and I think also uh, there's a big factor in, um, you know, which game you're getting angry over. My whole point was uh, not so much, hey, developers, start making casual modes. My point was, hey, Mario has a, uh, a white tanuki suit. Don't get angry over it because it's a, you know, as people have brought up in my article, it has been exactly what they needed to get their kids to play alongside with them. Mm-hmm. So it's like, do you get mad at kids who are wearing training wheels do you push them over (laughs) do you sit there screaming at them? yes
0: yes they do (laughs) because they need to get good
1: they need to get good but mario is a you know mario is for everybody everybody loves mario but you know even super mario 3d world that can be as hard or as or as easy as you want to make it because uh okay opening stages regular games pretty easy but there are some pretty crazy challenge levels so i played
0: new super mario brothers wii with my mom oh my poor mom my poor, poor mom. She, she like? Just could not keep up. Aww. She had. She basically spent the entire game in the bubble. <laughs> <laughs> because like the game was too hard and it kind of broke her. You know. Aww. She's like, uh, screw this stuff. And, she, and it was like, okay, well, you could say, well, if you wanna, if you really enjoy games, you're just gonna get better. But like sometimes, like it can be a game can be so intense from the outset that you're like, oh God, no, screw this. I'm putting this away.
1: And when when you have something like the white tanuki suit, um, that's actually a lot more dignified than hanging around in a bubble because you are participating. You're just not floating there while someone else does all the work for you.
0: I, like I said, it's a it's a hardcore genre in a lot of respects, and uh, like its roots are like in being a nerd essentially. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that RPGs have always had an accessibility problem, and. I think I want to stress that RPGs aren't a club. No, they aren't. It, they are not your special club, and I think that it's an amazing genre because it can, it can, you can do it can let you become immersed with and interact with a game world in a way that you just don't get with other genres like puzzle games will be like a pure raw challenge for the brain action games are are twitchy and interesting but role-playing games are like as close as you're going to get to kind of a hologram Mm -hmm. and but there's also that brain component going on where you're like going okay well i'm playing around with these systems how can i improve my character etc and going back to Final Fantasy, or before that, like f- RPGs have always had this intimidation problem. Yes, with a lot of people, where like they're going, "Oh, well, <laughs> I want to play them, but man, this is like way too intense for me." So, I think you have to put people in a place where they can kind of dip their toe in the water and go, "Okay, well, that's not so bad," and then they can just go from there. Uh, sports games also have this problem, incidentally where, like, so many people are like, now, oh, screw Matt, and you basically have to be an NFL coach uh-huh. to be able to understand what the hell is going on. And to their credit, they've done a really good job of, like, creating kind of a tutorial process that will get you into the game, but it's still, like, really freaking intense. The point is, if RPGs want to be a viable genre that people can continue to make games for, you have to have games that are not so intimidating that people are going to... Nope. No, absolutely not. I'm not playing this. and, uh, let's, and Pokemon fulfills that niche, uh, for example.
1: Yeah. But I was going to say, let's not forget, the original Dragon Quest was born out of the that need to make Western RPGs a little less intimidating and mo- a little more compact. Mm. A little more accessible.
0: Absolutely. I have the most respect for RPGs that manage to hit both. Mm-hmm. That are both like, pretty easy to get into, pretty easy to understand and pick up, but at the same time have really interesting systems. Like Persona 4, I think, is a, a fantastic example of that, where it's like, okay, like you just start going, you're like kind of learning this mysterious world with the characters, and it can be a little intimidating in that you're going... Uh, what am I like okay what am I supposed to be doing today am I missing something like this is making me super stressed out you get to, like some serious FOMO in Persona 4 <laughs> but it's never but like it's pretty transparent in the way that it's systems work and it gives you really good feedback it's like mm-hmm. okay well you have a good social link um, and oh look look at the boosts on your de- the demons it says right there big boost for your demons <laughs> And it's like, great, okay. Um and and like the satisfaction of putting together a really good party full of very powerful demons is is really great in Persona 4. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that the the denser, more hardcore RPGs can actually be pretty bad about giving effective feedback, about having good UIs, about just throwing players into the deep end and going, go, go, and expecting them to have the time and the energy and the the interest, frankly, to read through a giant wiki, uh, trying to figure everything out. Mm -hmm. And uh, for me, it's like, okay, well, unless if the game isn't immediately compelling, it can be sometimes hard for me to engage to the point that I'm going to want to give the game time to become interesting yeah
1: like one thing I'm always paranoid with with big open RPGs is that I am doing something wrong and if a game is not giving me any sort of feedback one way or the other I'm gonna get very intimidated
0: (laughs) anyway I think the upshot of this is that games exist for all kinds of different people and all kinds of people with different abilities and people should stop feeling freaking threatened by uh, game mechanics that are designed to make them more accessible because more often than not uh there will be like the good games at least have deeper systems that are that a truly skilled player can eventually plumb and become much better at mm-hmm. and so what people who are like new or aren't as good as you are playing your game that you shouldn't feel threatened by that okay maybe one day they will be as good as you
1: yeah that would be the nightmare
0: about Exist Archive really quickly. Indeed. How much have you played in Nadia? Uh,
1: I played it about a couple hours in but then the game didn't save properly <laughs> and booted me back to the start.
0: Uh, alas were you playing on PS4?
1: I was playing on PS4.
0: Okay I was playing on the Vita and mm, uh, the Vita version isn't super great. <laughs>
1: no it, 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 uh, is it like a problem with the visuals because the visuals are gorgeous no problems there for me.
0: Long load times. um really? And uh, it, it crashes and will kick you back to the, the title screen a oh, few uh, times. So. That's too bad. Yeah. So a lot of people, so in case you're not familiar with Exist Archive, it a lot of people kind of call it the spiritual successor to Valkyrie Profile. Um, it is made by Trias, And like Valkyrie Profile, it, it, it features characters who have kind of gone to the afterlife. Mm-hmm. And it has a very similar battle system where you have uh, characters with their actions mapped to their face buttons. Yes. And you rush in and you attack and you're, uh, it it differs from Valkyrie profile in that you have enemies, uh, enemy groupings spread out. Mm -hmm. And so you have to think about how you want to go in and attack and like, what kind of attacks you want to be able to use to be able to hit the largest number of enemies possible and so it, it, it's kind of interesting in that regard um, there are no towns to explore <laughs> uh, yeah I noticed uh, the the quests are from a menu um, that you pick mm-hmm. and uh you, you most of the story is doled out through you know your traditional cutscenes and you also can find uh, kind of flashbacks to people's lives before they got thrown into this world the the dungeon exploration is similar to Valkyrie profile in that it is a 2d kind of a platforming thing mm-hmm, which
1: is really interesting
0: yeah where you you activate like you defeated uh, you activate these kind of riffs that like shoot you in different places mm-hmm. uh, to reach higher platforms uh personally. I've never been a giant fan of that kind of the, those kind of traversal puzzles I think Valkyrie the original Valkyrie profile maybe did it best where mm-hmm. you would freeze an enemy and like jump <laughs> to the next level but I've never found it like super amazing or anything um, I so here's the thing with Exist Archive um, it's okay it captures some of the systems from Valkyrie Profile it is not Valkyrie Profile. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people call it a spiritual successor to Valkyrie Profile. I, I, I think that's kind of insulting to Valkyrie Profile. <laughs> <laughs> is there? Uh,
1: do you think there's like any hope to to fix your problems in like a sequel, for example? Like, would you like to see a sequel?
0: I just don't think that we're ever going to see another game like Valkyrie Profile. Mm. And. And that has been borne out in the actual sequels to Valkyrie Profile. Oh, yes. So, here's the deal. Uh, like, I've talked about Valkyrie Profile before. And let me be clear. Exist Archive deserves to be enjoyed on its own merits. Mm-hmm. Which is why I'm like... So, let's let's not say that this is a spiritual successor to Valkyrie Profile, because it has a lot of similarities. It's made by the same developer. Thematically, it's kind of-ish, similar, but it is nowhere near as compelling as Valkyrie Profile in my mind, because Valkyrie Profile interested me and still holds a very special place in my heart, because it is a game that puts you in the shoes of the character Lenneth Valkyrie in a way that is actually pretty remarkable, Mm -hmm. where it encourages you to discover your own past and it encourages you it it lays out a path for you forward through the game it's like it gives you very clear instructions recruit iron harry build them up send them to heaven Mm -hmm. and then you can kind of follow their progress in the spiritual warfare that's going on but if you do that if you do exactly what you are told you will get a mediocre ending. You have to stray from the beaten path and you have to kind of suss out like what is, what does the seal rating mean? Uh who is this vampire guy? Who are these characters? You have to be willing to not just go to a dungeon and explore. Right. right. You have to be willing to go check out that strange castle even though uh there's only a, a limited amount of time in each uh in each segment or each act or whatever, each period, mm-hmm. I think it was called. Even though you have only a limited amount of time, like, you need to be able to be like, well, what's in that castle over there? Right. And, or what? what's this field all about? And, yeah, it's, you're not probably not going to figure this out without the help of a guide. Like, I certainly used a strategy guide to figure that out. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people will call that a flaw. I, I don't necessarily think that's the case. Um, I mean, I think it's actually not that hard to get the the good ending if you play it on hard and if you're willing to put some thought into it. Exist Archive doesn't really have anything like that. Yeah, it seems Exist kind Archive, of straightforward. Exist Archive is pretty straightforward. Um, you got the it, like the story is you know there are two gods and like the characters are chess pieces and they're war between the gods. And yeah, yeah, like it's similar to that. Like Lenith is a chess piece, like a pawn. And it's all about like breaking out of being a pawn and and, and stuff like that. But that particular role-playing element is missing. And beyond that, like Valkyrie Profile had a lot of things that I found just really special about it. Its art style was fantastic. Phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I mean, its art was phenomenal. Its music was excellent. I love the sprite work. Like these are all like really important things, uh, like that really define the flavor of Valkyrie Profile. And moreover, like I it I found the actual like stories that were being told about the individual in Einherjar like really poignant. Mm-hmm um some of them were like like some of those stories were you know there are a few boring ones in there but a lot of them were just downright tragic and like really like even intense like one of my favorite things in valkyrie profile is that there's this party of adventurers and how each one of them they get picked off one by one and you're just collecting their souls and until only one of them is left and she doesn't die and you're just like, man, that's brutal, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, being the only one just being left behind. And all the ways that they die, like, there's some really messed up ones. Like, one of them gets turned to stone. Mm-hmm. Like, there's uh, somebody gets, like, turned into a demon. There's um, there's a guy who kills himself so that he can join Val- uh, Lenith. Oh, um, like, it, it, it goes on. Like, there, there's somebody who gets betrayed by, like, the crown. Like... You see all of these machinations happening on Earth that can be a little murky, and, and it crafts, it paints a very interesting world mm-hmm. that ultimately concludes with an extremely satisfying ending.
1: Yeah, Exist Archive, uh, from what I can tell, it has an interesting story, but there's a lot of anime cliches at work, so it's not yes. necessarily a bad thing, but um, as you say, it's not quite as compelling as... um
0: Right. It is a pretty straightforward yeah. RPG that uses some of Valkyrie Profile's systems. And if I'm being perfectly honest, I don't think Valkyrie Profile's systems were that special to begin with. I didn't uh, Certainly yeah. not the battle system. The battle system is okay in Valkyrie Profile, but it gets really repetitive. Yeah, um, and I know. Noticed- Archive, to its credit, builds on those.
1: But I did read a lot of reviews that complained about it getting repetitive. The the battles. Oh,
0: for sure. Like it's super grindy. Yeah. <laughs> for one thing, like you you do have to go out. I mean, you do have to go out and you have to grind to be able to keep up um, with the level of the enemies as yeah, they grow. Yeah.
1: So this is a, this is the kind of game where you really need that story to push you forward. But um, right. I'm not sure if, from what I played, if uh, Exist Archive can do exactly that. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. I'm glad that these niche. RPGs exist and I really hope they keep on existing and that developers keep building on them. Um, but uh, it's also a matter of well, okay, I've got all these other games to play and I like you but I don't like like you. So.
0: <laughs> I, I think what it comes down to is that TriAce has is aware that people really love Valkyrie Profile mm-hmm. and that they are trying to make something sort of like it on a budget. Yes. A real budget. Yes. Like, the, the the art is just not that great. I mean, that's what it comes down to. And maybe, like, that makes me a, a graphic snob or whatever. But I found the backgrounds I, were
1: very nice, but the, the battle scenes were kind of like, oh, okay.
0: I, I think the art really does actually make a difference a lot of the times. And, I mean, it it went with more of a generic anime kind of thing. Like, these kids come from, like, modern Tokyo and like they conform to all the types. And that's not to say Valkyrie profile was immune to anime clichés. It <laughs> certainly was not. No. But exist archives characters kind of bore me to be perfectly honest. Um you you got your straightforward stoic, you got your straightforward hero, um pretty box standard hero, pretty box standard girl who's like mysterious girl who's following him around and
1: and has a high squeaky voice.
0: And has a high squeaky voice, and it's like, okay, that's fine. My point is, I just don't think Trias is going to make another game as unique as Valkyrie Profile. Like, this everything about Valkyrie Profile was just really interesting from the story to the characters to the format, mm-hmm. like the structure of the game. And you even saw it in like Valkyrie Profile 2. Like, that game was much more straightforward. It had a, <laughs> a much higher budget mm-hmm. than Exist Archive. And and in many ways was very interesting, especially in the battle systems and that kind of thing. But at the end of the day, like, it was a pretty straightforward RPG. Like, it did not... It, it was... You're playing through the story. You're beating some dungeons. You're fighting the bosses at the end. Um, it wasn't like Valkyrie Profile, where it was doing crazy things like... Even ha- cycling out and having different dungeons depending on what difficulty level you played, mm-hmm. which yeah. kept it from getting overly repetitive. So, I, I, I just I feel like Trias has moved away from that. Would I? And that makes me feel like if there ever actually was a true Valkyrie Profile sequel, it would not live up to my memories of the original.
1: It's really kind of like the Swedish conundrum where um it's like you think yeah. oh i'd love to see a spiritual successor to that but this series hasn't really been suikoden for many many years across many exactly
0: so i that's why i'm just like there will never be another valkyrie yeah, profile th- not th- as i remember it just because it has an action-based battle system and characters who died that does not make it valkyrie profile yeah <laughs> okay. and
1: those are always the Even though the the spiritual successors, like even if they play well on their own, as you say, Exist Archive does, they're the ones that kind of hurt, because you realize that that magical game from your childhood is just, you can't repeat it, and you you can't go home again, as it were.
0: No, absolutely not. Do I think that there is room for creativity based on these systems to perhaps make something as unique and interesting as Valkyrie Profiles? Certainly do. Uh, a developer just has to be willing to go and do that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think the closest we might have gotten to a true sequel to Valkyrie Profile was probably Lightning Returns, actually. <laughs> just wow. in the, the open-ended nature of it and the timing aspect of it and <clears throat> kind of the mysterious nature of everything. Mm-hmm. It makes me sad that they shoehorned Final Fantasy Thirteen into that game because if it were just if it were something else, it would have been way more interesting. Mm -hmm. And I think people would have been a lot more inclined to enjoy it on its own merits, but on its own merits exist archive is fine. Um, I think that it is a kind of a mid tier budget RPG. Yeah, basically Uh, nothing, nothing particularly offensive about it. I I think the battle system is actually really good this time around for the most part, uh, grinding aside. I I like that there are different classes. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, uh, you can kind of like mix and match things a little bit more with the weapons than you could in Valkyrie Profile where things were a lot more static. Yes. So that's a good thing. Uh, I think the music is excellent.
1: Yeah, music is very nice.
0: The dungeons are uh, not amazing, but it it it's enough to pass the time. Yeah. I, I wish that the Vita port were a little better.
1: Yeah, the uh. So the you should PlayStation- probably play it on PS4. Yeah, the PS4 version, I don't know what I did to screw up my save, but uh, technically it works fine. Like I didn't notice any major loading times, or I didn't notice any crashing or anything like that.
0: Uh, I I think the thing that makes me saddest is that Valkyrie Profile (coughs) is still extremely difficult to find. Mm
1: -hmm. I'd love to play it, but, uh, well, I've had a very kind uh, listener offer to send it to me, and um, I might take them up on that.
0: Yeah, uh, even if you play the PSP game, the PSP game is not available in the PlayStation Store. Yeah. So you can't exactly download it onto your Vita. You have to own a PSP to play it, which is a real drag, mm-hmm. actually. Um, and you're not going to find it on PSN anywhere. Yeah, that's it's really just, bad. It's just I don't know what's going on. I know that there's a mobile game, like Square Enix hasn't ditched it entirely. <laughs> but Boy. the Valkyrie, like. But Valkyrie Profile at this point is much harder to play even than Suikoden, which used to be the hardest to find yeah. and play. And that's a super drag because I think people need to play this game. It's mm-hmm. phenomenal. It, it, it really works on so many levels, and it's my favorite RPG of all time. But as it stands right now, if you want to play it like the way it's meant to be played, you really honestly need to spend like $100 to buy it uh, used mm-hmm. and you need to have like a PS2 uh, hooked up to a CRT, a CRT tele- uh, like a CRT television, and because because it doesn't look super great on HDTV. <laughs> probably not. like it gets really washed out and the sprites don't pop as well as they should. Mm-hmm. It, it looks much 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 better on a, a CRT. Yeah, and like I said, so. I have
1: a CRT. I have a really good CRT for my retro games, so no problems mm-hmm. there. And I have a PS2.
0: Yeah, I've often thought about getting, picking up a CRT television, but unfortunately, I don't have a lot of room for it. Yeah, they're big, and, bulky, stupid things. Yeah, and I, I have enough on my plate right now. I I know in my heart that I would buy this thing with all these retro consoles, and then it would just sit there. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. There's also a possibility that I would just fall head over heels for these and never emerge again. Yeah. And you would never hear of me again. That would be it. It was just like lock my room, myself in my office, and play Valkyrie Profile and Final Fantasy 8 again forever.
1: Blood God would become uh, the retro hour. Retro hour already RPG is or... kind of the retro hour. It kind and of is. is just spent
0: we just spent twenty minutes talking about Valkyrie Profile, a, a at this point sixteen year old RPG.
1: Well, Skyrim, well, it's four it, okay. Skyrim is five years old, but it, it's valid because it just got a re release. So
0: pretty much. In any case, uh, Valkyrie Profile, if you can get it, get a hold of it that you definitely should and um and once again i send up my plea to square enix and to sony please for the love of god put this game on psn so that we can find a way to play it for realsies because this game deserves to be enjoyed and finally please please stop calling this a spiritual successor to valkyrie profile because it is exist archive is nothing of the sort it is an off-brand valkyrie profile and that's pretty much all it is. Does that make it bad necessarily? No, it makes it budget. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dollar I wish Trias, I tr- I wish Trias all the best. I want them to succeed. I want them to make more games. But at the same time, their games haven't been good for a while now. Aww,
1: I'm sorry, Kat. I know how I know how disappointing and hurtful that can be.
0: uh so that's the end of our episode no uh s- sorry no rpg pitches this time around because we kind of went a little long again we had, we had lots gabby. of ranting to, we had lots of ranting to do in this episode <laughs> we
1: did and we did we did quite well
0: we ranted about accessibility and we ranted about valkyrie profile and we ranted about people hating skyrim it was rant 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 <laughs> rant, rant, rant it's
1: the angry but... old woman hour
0: <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> acts of the blood god is a us giver podcast you can find us on itunes stitcher uh iheart radio and anywhere rpgs are sold or podcasts are sold um <laughs> not rpgs yeah. i would love it if you could leave us a review if you're enjoying the podcast please um, do yes we we always appreciate it i read all of the reviews when i get a nice one i go oh thank you um i'm glad that you guys enjoy having nadia on the podcast i know that i enjoy having Nadia on the Aww, podcast
1: i enjoy that you guys enjoy me <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: well, lots of coverage going on on the site right now um jeremy did a really good uh jeremy's been covering the hell out of the mini you nes so mm-hmm. i've thought about have been on the fence about buying one myself but i don't know like outside of the novelty of having one of those things on my uh, like having one of those things because they look so cool they are very cute they are very cute. I, I'm i kind of like, I don't know. It's just another thing that I'm going to have in my office. So I'm not sure. Uh, and uh, of course, Nadia and I have been writing things. Uh, by the time you this podcast is live, you should be able to find my rant slash retrospective about Exist Archive and Valkyrie Profile, which I uh, also covered in some depth here on the podcast. So I strongly encourage you to check that out. And uh, Nadia, of course, we can find you on Twitter at NadiaOxford Oxford and your blog, Tiny Girl, Tiny Games. Do you have anything else you want to promote right now?
1: Uh, just that uh, by the time this is up, my Skyrim review will probably be up as well. And uh, please do read my um, little thingy about uh, quit getting mad at easy mode in video games if you haven't already. I'd appreciate that very much, whether you agree or not.
0: Gaming elitists. <laughs> oh, God, the freaking worst. Yeah, and of course, you can find me on Twitter at the underscore catbot. Um, sorry about... Like I have seen your RPG pitches. Thank you for sending them to me. Please keep sending them mm-hmm. and I will read them on the podcast. We've just had a lot to cover. Yeah, it's um, that time of year. But I, I think next week we might have a little more cover, we have we might have a little more time. Yeah. Uh to cover this stuff. So but in the meantime, uh yeah, keep sending those. So looking ahead to November, uh <laughs> we got a couple of biggies coming up, Nadia. We got Pokemon.
1: Pokemon and Final Fantasy, no big deal.
0: Yeah, no big deal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Just the two biggest games. So that should y- carry
0: us until December. Yeah. And then start looking ahead to Persona 4. Yay. Yeah. Oh, and oh, yeah, Tyranny. I should have a code for that pretty soon. Oh. And yes, I do intend to be talking about that on the podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make Nadia play it, and she's going to like it. <laughs>
1: I can play it, but you can't make me like it. You lead a dragon to drag right. you into water, you can't make him drink.
0: Indeed. All right. So this has been an accident of the blood god. Thanks for listening, and for Nadia and myself, I've been Kat Bailey, and until next time, happy adventuring.